Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. The word today will be coming from Colossians 2, 16 through 23. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to christ the head of the body for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments and it grows as god nourishes it you have died with christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world so why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle don't taste don't touch Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this time together. Uh, We ask that you speak to us this morning. And reveal yourself to us through this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Uh, Fitz already touched on the serve Saturday. It was just an awesome day yesterday. We want to thank everybody for showing up and uh, going hard. We had uh, adults running around like little kids, playing with water, playing sports. It was just a good time. And then on top of that, it's just what Fitz was talking about. When we pulled up, we saw the tape and we had to turn around, right? And we had the choice to turn around and go back home, but you guys chose to turn around and find a different way to go to where we needed to go to bring hope. And it just encouraged me, but it also reminded me of that's exactly what Jesus would do, right? When there was no way to God, there was a, God came up with a plan to make a way for us to get back to him and to come around and bring a solution to the problem. So I wanna thank you guys for that. Uh, we are back in our Colossians series. Anybody remember the Colossians series? <laughs> it's been a while, but we're back. We're back, okay? So we had, uh, last week, we had uh, James Hensley come and talk to us, uh, one of our guest speakers. Before that, we had Fitz bring an awesome word on July 4th. And before that, we had Aaron Cruzy actually, uh, in our Colossians series. So he talked about um, the passage before we just read. And today, we're going to jump back into uh, our series. Here's the thesis for today. And uh, I know we didn't get you guys any paper notes on the walk-in. Our printer kind of had a little different plans this morning for us. But so for one day only, y'all allowed to use your phones for notes, okay? So if I see you with your phones, I know you're not scrolling on Instagram, but I know you're taking notes this morning uh, for one day only. But hopefully next week we'll be back with paper notes. But I encourage you guys to to write stuff down as you track and see what God's speaking to you and just kind of pay attention to what what we're unpacking together. But here's our thesis for today, that Jesus Christ is the ultimate reality. Everything points to him. Our salvation and our freedom is found in him. All other religious philosophies or ascetic practices are merely shadows. They cannot save us or transform us. Only Christ, our reality, can do that. 
in life, we have a lot of, we, we find ourselves living out a lot of lies of if you do this, then you'll see that. Or if you chase after this, then you'll be over here. But what we find is that Christ actually helps us to live into the actual reality, not in the false promises, but into the reality of life. So today our sermon title is going to be Following Jesus, Not Chasing Shadows. Following Jesus, Not Chasing Shadows. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever downloaded an app on your phone? Anybody? It should be everybody's hands probably, right? Right. Okay, so we download apps. Now, have you ever downloaded an app and it was free and you get after it? Maybe it's a game and you play, I don't know what people play these days. Is this Candy Crush still a thing? That's probably all, right? Probably not Candy Crush. But let's say you, you download an app, it's for free, and after a couple of months or maybe weeks or maybe even minutes or levels, you get prompted with, hold up, you got to unlock the next level. you got to pay the full amount to be able to get the whole game or the whole app, right? Or maybe uh, it's the same for when you find yourself at one of our lovely telephone providers. I don't know which is your uh, uh, drug of choice with those guys, but whoever you're with, if you're trying to hassle them for, for a new phone or a new service, and you find yourself for hours at a counter uh, going back and forth with them, and then the very last minute they're like, hey, actually, here's this add-on fee, or here's, if you only pay $10 a month more, you also get this, or if you only you know, spend 50 bucks more with us a month, you'll see this advantage. And you always adding on levels. Maybe if you buy a car, if you, buy, if you spend just a couple of more uh, dollars a month, you'll get a new trim or an extra uh, level of, uh, I don't know, special rims or whatever it might be. We're always being told that we don't have enough. We're always being told that there's a next level to something. We can find ourselves in this rat race of always chasing the added layer, the next best thing to unlock the next level. And the same thing happened to the believers of the early church. We're back in Colossae, the little city that we've been talking about, the church there. And there was a constant pull to additional offers and enhanced spiritual experiences. They, they were told that having Jesus was not enough, but that there was actually more to unlock as you do different things. But today, Paul is going to remind us that if we have Jesus, if we have him as our Lord and Savior, that there is no other added layer. There is no next level. There is no nothing more we need. There's only Jesus, and he is enough. He's enough to change our patterns. He's enough to change our habits. He's enough to change our thoughts and to transform our lives. So let's look at this text together. And um, as we were running through this, I actually realized there's a lot of scripture today. So just bear with me. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to be mostly in our, in our, in our text of the day. And then I'm going to add a little bit of side scriptures uh, left and right a little bit. But we're going to start with verse 16, if you track in Colossians 2, 16, and uh, it starts with so, and we're actually going to stop here already, so it's going to be a long day. <laughs> we're going to start with the first word, every word we're going to unpack today, not, not quite as bad, but we'll stop at so. The um, ESV version actually puts it as therefore. So everything that we're about to unpack actually builds on the previous passage. So we want to make sure we have the context right of what we're about to talk about. Because all that we're about to unpack builds on Colossians 2, 6, 15. This is what Aaron Cruzy talked about. If you have missed that, that series, go back to today and listen to it on our Spotify or YouTube, or I think it's out there somewhere to find. But everything we're about to unpack has to follow the total submission of Christ first. So all we're talking about today builds on the reality that we can be alive in Christ. It talks about that we can turn away from our sinful life, turn to Jesus, and he can help us to transform our hearts and our habits and our thoughts and live out a life full of purpose and grace and connected with God. So we have to remember that. 
So therefore, or so, or for that reason, consequently, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon, new moon ceremonies or Sabbath. So again, just a reminder, the community we're looking at is in Colossae. So it's not a particularly like Jewish-heavy uh, town. So a lot of these guys that went to the church were probably Gentiles. So they weren't of uh, the Jewish descent, but they heard about the faith. They, they heard in Ephesus maybe what, when Paul was teaching there that, about Jesus, and they were at, excited, and they jumped on the faith, and they learned about the faith of Jesus. So they, that's their background, right? And maybe we have some, some believers in that group that have Jewish backgrounds. But... These guys were actually brought condemnation for the followers of Jesus to say, hey, y'all are not doing the tr Jewish traditions the way y'all should be. So we have, a, connect, uh, we have a, uh, a conflict here of the Jewish believers that grew up in the Jewish faith that had these rules and traditions. And then we had Gentiles who just heard about Jesus. They wanted to join the faith and they wanted what Jesus was offering. And there was a kind of like a, um, a conflict right there. And at some point, and this is something that we unpacked in the Acts series in the fall, there was this, uh, the Council of Jerusalem, where actually the Jewish guys were like realizing, okay, all these Gentiles are joining us. We got to give them a little bit of a, hey, this is what you need to do, okay? So they made a little peace offering for the Gentiles and said, hey, here's the couple of things that we want you to do. All this is our tradition, but here's what you have to do to enable to join our faith, faith of Jesus. They gave them these rules and regulations, and they said, if you all do that, then we'll accept you in, into this faith. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. So Paul, when we're looking at the question of food and drink, or the festivals, or the regulation about the Sabbath, was pointing out that these are merely Jewish traditions and rules. And all of us, we actually have rules and traditions that were passed down to us. And we have to examine ourselves from time to time to what rules do we hang on to. What rules were we given when we grew up? For example, my brother and I, when we grew up, and let's say we were out late somewhere, we drive home, and it's dark outside, and we're traveling, I don't know, from where we were to the house. And we would be in the back, maybe we were playing or trying to read something, and one day, we were so bold, we did the unspeakable. We turned on the light in the back of the car. We clicked it on, and you should have, my, my parents freaked out. They thought I did the biggest crime in the world. They turned, turn the light off. It's illegal to drive for the light on the back of the car. What are you thinking? Turn it off right now. They might have just pulled over and made me walk home. That's how bad it was for them. <laughs> but in reality, now being a parent and being able to drive and it's dark outside, it's, I mean, it's maybe a little bad to see, a little, a little worse, but not the, it's not a big deal. But it's definitely not illegal. But growing up, I thought for sure that it was illegal that we would get pulled over if the light would be on in the back. And we all get handed rules and convictions from how we grow up. Now, we also get rules and convictions from the church we maybe attended or where we grew up, in what church. Maybe, you know, we grew up and we were told about uh, new rules for Christianity, four steps to get saved, or do these things and then you'll be saved, or denominational rules that were immovable. We all have to examine ourselves to see what rules do we hold on to, knowing or unknowingly. You know, for some of you guys, it might have been uh, you knew growing up that the first time you drink a smear of ice, you're going straight to hell. Or you only wear a skirt and you're going straight to hell, right? It's that severe to us. Or, you know, you're going to a dance, straight to hell. Or that Dr. Dre CD, you're about to pop that in and press play. The second you press that play, it's, it's done with you. And it's funny now, but it's the reality of the rules that we hold on to tight sometimes in our hearts. 
And we want to take a moment to free ourselves from those experiences. Just for a second, we're going to take a quick second here and just think back of your own life, how you grew up, the circumstances you grew up in, and what are those rules that were passed down to you that you might still hold on to right now? Okay, but Paul goes on to clarify why they shouldn't be condemned for that. Back in our text in verse 17, here we go. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. If, we take, if you take notes, we have a couple of points, but there, it's, it's, I want you to really work the text more than look at the points, but the first point would be the shadow of legalism. And actually, if you can, after this, put that verse back on here for a second. Uh, I want to kind of go back on that for a second. But the shadow, as you guys know, only informs you that something exists. So for example, if uh, you are walking down the street with your spouse, and it's sunny outside, and there's a shadow ahead of you, and you know, from you and your spouse, you would not go hug the shadow of your spouse because you have a spouse to hug, right? So the shadow of the spouse merely tells you that you have a spouse, which is good for you, right? But the, the existence, a shadow cannot exist by itself. It has to have a reality that the shadow comes from. Because that's what we're talking about in this text. So, and he, Paul is calling those rules merely shadows of the reality. The shadows can go, you know, when, you, when the sun's behind you, the shadows go ahead of you, and vice versa. If the sun's in front of you, the shadow will go behind you. And he's saying that those rules were shadows of Jesus that went before him. So what does that mean? That means that God had always had a design for his people to be separated from the rest of the world, to be differentiated, to stand, uh, stand out from the crowd. And back in the day when, they, when Jesus was not born yet, all they had was the shadow of Jesus. So the way God designed for the people of God to stand out and to be different than the people was through these habits, through these rules, through how they were working, how they were taking a day off and nobody else did that, or how they would um, you know, structure their life around somebody else besides themselves or sacrifice. All these rules were shadows of Jesus to come. And the point was that people would see an Israelite back then and say, wow, these guys are different. What's different about them? They have a God that they're worshiping, that they're showing their adoration to. But now that we have Jesus, that's the important part. Now that we have Jesus, we can follow him and become more like him. Instead of chasing the shadow of Jesus, we actually get to look at Jesus and say, I want to become more like Jesus, not like his shadow. That's the difference of what we're talking about here. So those rules are not an effective way of showing our adoration to God anymore. But now, God's people stand out from the rest of the world in the way we talk like Jesus, we're generous like Jesus, forgive others repeatedly like Jesus, the way we live our lives for others, in the way we make our decisions not for what's best for us, but according to what God has for us, and by living a transformed life by the grace of God. That's how we stand out now. Not by following the rules, but becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Legalism, the shadow of legalism, is a work-based righteousness. That is not what Jesus came to offer. Jesus did not come to give you a way to earn your salvation back, but he earned it for you, and you get to embrace it and live it out. And this is so easy to, for us to fall into as people in general, and me especially, because it feels like when we do legalism, when we do rules, it's like we get the power back. 
We get to finally be like, okay, God, I know I messed up, but I did my prayers in the morning. I went to, I don't know, a life group, and then I went to church, and I sang really loud. But that's not what it's about. Legalism cannot do it for us, right? But it feels so good for us humans because we get to, have a, we get to earn our way to keep, to stay around, right? It's like you, if you work really, really hard, then we get to sit on a table with Jesus. But that's not what we're talking about. That's not the Jesus that came for us. And this reminded me of Matthew 19, 16. Uh, y'all know, y'all, a lot of you guys know the story. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed? Deed, again, that's action. That's what can I do? What, what can I do to get eternal life? That's the question the rich young ruler is asking here. Jesus responds, why ask me about what's good? Jesus replies, there is only one who's good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, Jesus knows what's happening here. And he's about to show him and the ones that are following, that are listening, and not us that we get to read it, that there's a new way to be set apart. The reality is here. Jesus is here now. It's different. Things are changing. And, he, and the rich angel replies, which ones? And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Quick sidebar, all these uh, commandments that actually Jesus is saying are like the horizontal commandments, right? So the first three is about between you and God, and then the next seven are actually how do you interact with one another. So all he's given this guy is the how do you act towards one another. So all deed-based, right? Because it's not about the relationship with God yet. It's all about how you treat one another. He goes on and he says, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? And this is where it, gets, where it gets separated from the past. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Follow me. Follow Jesus, the reality. Don't follow the shadows anymore. Don't live by those rules and regulations, but follow Jesus and let him transform you into what he's like. But the young man heard this and went away sad, for he had many possessions. It's not about checking boxes. It's not about achieving man-made praises in this, in, this, uh, in this quest of chasing after Jesus. Because anybody can follow rules and regulations for a certain amount of time if they try really, really hard. We can all, for some period of time, go really hard and try to achieve something and follow certain things and, and, and check boxes, but only Jesus can transform the heart. Only he can. Before we keep going in the text, I want to take a second and unpack that shadow a little bit deeper of what that looks like for, for Paul. So he's saying in this passage that the rules are like shadows, okay? So we talked about how they were going ahead. Jesus wasn't there, so this is how you can do things right there. So for, on, the, on the very specific example of the Sabbath, for example, before Jesus, the Sabbath was a habit, a, a, a structure woven into God's people to take a rest on the Saturday, basically. So from Friday night to Saturday night, they were supposed to take a rest, and everybody else around them did stuff. So like other, other uh, people, they did stuff, they worked, but they were supposed to take a rest. And that was a way for, them to, for God's people to rest. But after Jesus, we know that in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So once Jesus arrived, there's a different way of getting the rest. It's not about do, uh, holding a calendar and oh, on the seventh day, then I'll finally get to have rest with Jesus. 
He's saying, come to me, all you weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. The Sabbath was created to rest the body, but Jesus came to rest your soul. That's what we're talking about. The shadow is it's fulfilled. It's beyond just getting a rest for your body. But with Jesus, every day of your life, you can have rest in your soul, knowing that you're with him, that you're walking with him, that you're becoming more like him, and that whatever you're facing, he's going to be with you, and you can have his rest and his peace. So in the first part, Paul is reminding us that Jesus is the reality, not the shadow. Jesus is the reality that we need to focus on, not the shadows. The shadows used to point towards him, but now we have him here with us. The reality is here. The first shadow shadow we looked at was the shadow of legalism. It doesn't cut it. It's not good enough. We we can't earn it. We can't work our way through it. We have to be in relationship with Jesus. The next verse deals with a different component of traps that we can face uh, when when we chase after Jesus. And this is in verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious, pious, pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. I think this is a very difficult one because it's hard. We all want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus, right? That's our goal. We want to go deeper. We want to be more uh, rooted in him. We want to be deeper. But sometimes people go too far where they fall off on the deep end and they go too far with it. And they get lost in something that's more sensational than spiritual. We have to talk about how there was a heavy influence on the, Colossian, uh, or the city of Colossae on elevating your spiritual walk, right? We talked about the Gnostics. Y'all remember that? I think we talked about that a lot. Those, those, were, that, those were people that promised a deeper connection, a more fulfilled life, a more uh, spiritual connection to God than anybody else could if you only do what they're asking you to do, basically. And one of the ways they're, they're going about that was through the self-denial. That's the second shadow we're going to look at today, is the shadow of self-denial. And when we talk about self-denial, there's actually two different words we're going to look at here for a second. Because it's important that we get the reality right and the shadow right. The first word is asceticism. This is actually a really hard word for me to say as a German, so I think I deserve a little clap here from you guys. Come on. Asceticism. I can't tell you much how much I've struggled with that word, but hey, we did it. All right. Asceticism. And okay, so this is actually, the, the, the definition for asceticism is severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. So that's the definition of asceticism. That is a, um, that is, does, does not describe a fast from the Bible. That is a man-made achievement. Asceticism is man-based. Fasting is the other word that is God-based. That's when we do it for God, not for ourselves. Fasting is important and needed. With fasting, the focus is on getting closer to God, but with mere asceticism, the emphasis on our own flesh. It's an exterior approach to a sin problem. It can make us feel like we're holier and make us feel like we can do it on our own. Asceticism is saying, I'm going to withstand from these things so bad, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy anything to show how holy I am, to show that I can do it myself, that I can get my body back in line with what the desires of God are. But that's not how it works. We cannot fix our sin problem merely by showing up and doing what we want to do. But the only way we can do that is by letting, falling in love with Jesus, letting him transform our hearts and make us whole again. 
Asceticism is the shadow. Jesus is the reality. Number three, the shadow of hyper-spirituality. And uh, this is all in verse 18. We'll go back to it in a second. Uh, but we all want to be connected with Christ, right? And we talk about relationship. Relationships are filled uh, with emotions and feelings, right? So if you're in a relationship with somebody, it feels good. You feel like the emotions are high. You like what you're doing. You want to have more of that. So a lot of times what happened here is that the believers were wanted more of that feeling. They want to be closer to God, be more connected to him. And back in the day, some of the believers were invited to even join uh, into worship of angels. So what does that mean, worship of angels? It's in the text. It's obviously, you know, angels are part of God's creation and structure. And the appeal is easy. If you get to the angels, you can get to God. So they were saying, instead of getting to God first, let's worship the angels. And through that, we can come closer and closer to God. But we actually see John in Revelation, you can see that at some point he uh, tries to worship an angel, and actually the angel stops John right there and says, don't worship me, worship God. So they're on the wrong track here, and what we would call, uh, those Gnostics, they promise a deeper connection to God through angels and or other higher ways of God. In our world, we actually have the same thing. We have modern Gnosticism. You have people that offer you, if you meditate, you can find a deeper connection with God, or you find your inner center, or you can buy the right crystals, or you can get to know deeper through a costly worship experience. In some religions, you can buy your way closer to God, and some promise peace and rest through connecting with the universe. We faced the same temptations in the church back then did. And while some of these things are good for you and not evil, it's when we make them our realities when we get in trouble. When you have him, Jesus, you will have true rest, true peace, and connection with God. And this is available to anybody, not just a special group or after you do a certain task or uh, access a higher level. And it's available to you right now. Maybe you're in this room right now and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. He, he was sent on this earth to live a perfect life, to die for our sins on our behalf, just so we can be close to God again. He's inviting us into a journey to follow him, become more like him, to be transformed into the image of God and to live out the design God had for us. Every single one of you guys has a design on your life that God has. And when we choose to chase after what Jesus has for us, we get to live it out in purpose and with, uh, with just excitement every day to wake up and to chase after what God has for you. And I'll say this, and this is just because we had survey yesterday and it was fresh on my heart. I don't want to scare anybody into salvation but we don't have time to waste on chasing shadows. Yesterday we pulled up and the police tape was still there. Fitz, Bronson and I actually stood right there where uh, that man lost his life. Then after an afternoon, I got another call from a Dream Center family who lost a family member in a tragic way. And we don't have time to chase shadows because the world needs us to follow Jesus and to bring light into darkness. We don't have time to waste to figure out, oh, do I want to follow this rule or this rule? No, we have to be Jesus followers that can bring actual light into darkness because the world out there is facing some hard things. And if they don't have Jesus, they cannot overcome it themselves. But if we walk alongside them and become more like Jesus in those situations, we can bring actual hope and actual light to real problems in this world. And it's available for all of us, for you right now. And the other ways, they don't work. They don't work. All we talked about, the asceticism, following rules, all this stuff does not work. Why? 
Here's the next, we're going to stay in 18 for a second. Here's why it doesn't work. Their sinful minds have made them proud. All these ideas come from earthly, fleshly thinking. It shows that this is not from Jesus. They're disconnected from what following after Jesus actually means. You can be spiritual and hyper-spiritual, but not Christ-like. And our goal is to become Christ-like, not just spiritual or self-disciplined or a good person. Verse 19, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. We gotta stay connected to Jesus. We only grow when we stay close to God. And some of you guys might be sitting here thinking, okay, all this is kind of contradicting the whole spiritual practices talk we always do, right? For the last couple of months, we talked about here's the spiritual practices of what you do. It almost seems legalistic at times. But I, I couldn't disagree more with that because the spiritual practice is not to save you, but to connect you to the substance, which is Christ. It is to connect you with the substance, which is Christ. Taking a Sabbath day, practicing rest is not bad, but it won't save you from your sins. Only Jesus can. Fasting is great. It's not bad, but only Jesus can save you, not fasting. Only God can save you, and true growth only comes from staying connected to him. John 15, 4, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. We gotta remain in him. If we really wanna grow, if we wanna be, live fruitful lives, we can't stay connected to other things or rules or traditions or denominations. We gotta be connected to Jesus. Verse 20, back in our Colossians text, you've died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. What are the spiritual powers of this, of this world? Of this world, what's the spiritual powers of this world? Nothing. They're, they're only man-made rules. There is no spiritual power of when we come up with our own ideas. They're not eternal. They're based only on human teachings. Back to our text in 20. So why do you keep on following these, the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are merely human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. There's, they're gone afterwards. It's, it's not that important. It's not eternal. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. That's what they require. That's all man characters. That's all based on us. But Jesus is saying, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Only Jesus can do that. The whole text today is basically summed up and we can't do it, only he can. You can't do it, only he can. I can't do it, only he can do it. God is, God is opposed to earning, but not to effort. That's where, again, we have to combine our spiritual practices with our walk. Because we want to stay connected to God and have him form us and show up, but we can never earn it. Prayer is good, fasting is good, resting with God, trusting him is good. But doing those things to try to get him to love you, that is bad. That's dangerous. You won't get freedom without Jesus. Now, we all, and I want us to kind of slowly, we're going to shift into our self-reflection time because we all have areas that are more prone for us to fall into, those three different shadows. 
And I want you to think about for a second, what would that be for you, maybe? We all, we all have areas, but either way, the point of the sermon today is not to chase the shadows, but to get into reality of Jesus and to start to follow him, not his shadows. He is the one who can guide us to develop healthy habits that form our hearts and be more like him. He is the one who gives us direct access to God and is the only way to a deep relationship with the Father. He is the one who can change our desires and give us the strength to stay away from things that are dragging us away from God's holiness. Only he can do it. I want y'all to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes a little bit. And, and the reason we do that, guys, I tell us to the kids at the Dream Center all the time, it's not because that's the rule that you have to do to pray or something, but it gives you a chance to focus on what we're talking about. It gives you a chance to self-reflect on what God's doing in your heart. Maybe something that was said that's tugging on your heart that's, that, you, that you're thinking about that you can't get rid of right now. And I want you to think about what shadows are you chasing and in what areas do you need to turn from the shadows back to Jesus? Have you really accepted that your sins is forgiven? Or are you still trying to earn God's forgiveness through church attendance and prayers and spiritual experiences? Do you find that rest that Jesus was talking about for your soul every day of your life? Today, the invitation is to walk away from the shadows and go back to the reality of Jesus who is here for you to save you. So as we're about to go into reflection time, think of those shadows. Think of your, the way you grew up of rules and traditions that you were given. And today is the time to lay those shadows down and turn your focus to the reality of Jesus. For those of you, like I talked about earlier, that have never, have, don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to come in the back and talk to somebody, one of the prayer guys or up front here, and turn to Him. The shadows you've been chasing, they're not cutting it. It's not about chasing the shadows, but about chasing after Jesus and following Him. So as we always ask you guys, what's God saying to you? And the second thing is, what are you going to do about it? Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.